Moving along to our next guest. They're the authors of a book called Convicted, A Crooked Cop, An Innocent Man, An Unlikely Journey of Forgiveness and Friendship. It reads like a gripping crime novel. Dun, dun, dun. Except this story really happened. Racial tensions had long simmered in Benton Harbor, a small city on the eastern shore of Lake Michigan. Before the day, a white narcotics officer, more focused on arrest than justice, sets his sights on an innocent black man. But when Officer Andrew Collins framed Jamel McGee for possession of crack cocaine, the surprising result was not a race riot, but a transformative journey for both men. Falsely convicted, McGee spent three years in federal prison. And Collins also went to prison a few years later, some might say karma, for falsifying police reports. So while behind bars, the faith of both men deepened. But the story took its most unexpected turn once they were released, when their lives collided again in a moment brimming with mistrust and anger. Two, the two, both of them were on this collision course, not to violence, but to forgiveness. And as current as today's headlines, really, we're seeing this stuff all the time, this explosive true story reveals how these radically conflicted men chose to let go of fear and a thirst for revenge to pursue reconciliation for themselves, their community, and a racially divided nation. The book is called Convicted. The website is convictedbook.com, convictedbook.com. Andrew and Jamel join us on the line. Andrew, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, Drew? Thanks for having us. Good, I'm doing well. Everything's peachy up here in Toronto. The snow is gone, and so are the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that's where our well, world is. We're, <laughs> we're just in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and so we were pretty close to you, I think, weren't we? I think so. That's real close to Canada. <laughs> and uh, let's just make sure I'm pronouncing this right. Is it Jamel? Yeah, Jamel. Jamel, man, thanks for joining us as well. Obviously, it's great to have both you guys on. Andrew, I want to start with you, and I know you've told us a million times, but really that's the point of these interviews is, you know, the way I summed it up with our listeners earlier was that, um, you know, you were a cop that screwed over a black guy. The black guy goes to prison, and then you uh, got stung because of your own stupid moves. You go to prison. You both get out. You run into each other. And next thing you know, there's there's faith and forgiveness happening all over the place. Is that a pretty okay summation? Yeah. I mean, we should hire you to kind of give the Cliff Notes version when people want the short end of it. That was a, <laughs> that was a very good summation. Okay, but... Dude, you're the you're the d bag in this whole story, right? So, how, like, I'm I'm actually more interested in your transformation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, grew up in the church, uh, and the way I describe it to people is, uh, I knew Jesus as my Savior, but never trusted Him as my Lord. So, when I would come to the fork of the road of of any decision in my life, uh, I never I never inquired of the divine. I never asked my Creator, "What do you think we should do here?" I would just choose what was best for me and my ego and uh and that created a very arrogant very powerful um uh position that i was in where i i really had carte blanche to do what i wanted in the city and and you mix that with uh with the arrogance that i had and i and i was a monster i was an absolute monster so what was the thing what was the primary source or the primary reason that drove you to to be such a jerk to falsify stuff to send another man to prison yeah so I mean, my ego uh like okay. i say i was addi- i was addicted to myself i was addicted to my arrogance and uh when i would bring in somebody with a that i caught with drugs uh, i was highly praised by the department so 
in the beginning of my career, it started off as uh, kind of that people pleaser, loving to hear my name being praised in other people's mouths. Mm. And uh, by the end of my career, it was uh, it, it shifted, and it was all about greed. Uh, it became more about how I could line my pockets uh, with with drug dealer money and with money from uh, the city of Benton Harbor. So it was it was a quick fall. Okay, so Jamel, Jamel goes to prison. You think you've gotten away with another something. Um, Jamel, let's jump to your story for a second. So you're getting arrested for something you flat out didn't do. But normally in my uh, experience, guys aren't getting arrested for being completely clean dudes. They're getting arrested because they've had a, a maybe a history follow them. I mean, were you absolutely a squeaky clean guy that got arrested for no reason, or was there other stuff going on, and then they you really got busted on something that you didn't actually do? No, I, I really got busted that I something that I did do. Uh, yeah, I had nothing to do with this. No involvement at all. Uh, no prior, no dealings with it at all. Uh, so, so you you never you weren't hanging around with dodgy dodgy people who were doing dodgy things. You were just an average, you know, good guy that got busted for nothing. Oh yeah, I I hung with uh, but they're not these are family members that, that I was hanging with and and. Uh, you know, befriending and hanging out with them, not so much, but I knew what they was into, you know, but I didn't really necessarily hang with them. Like, you didn't see us standing out, you know, hanging out. It was just like, they come over to the house and we speak and we play the game, we barbecue or something like that, and we go on separate ways. Uh, Yeah, but I knew what they was into, but at this time, I just didn't think that this would be happening right now okay so here comes you know you get busted you you know they put the cuffs on i don't know whatever however it goes down they drag you into the station and you're sitting there going no i'll be let out i'll be let out i'll be let out next thing you know it's how many years uh actually it was was three years later but actually it was two weeks after that after i'm saying uh, i'll be i know i'm be out of this in a minute and uh, once they figure out the paperwork, and then I got the supplemental report, and boom, uh, everything got worse from there. Man, I can't even imagine. Like, I think, you know, we put ourselves in your situation and think, what would we do? And and, and I think as outsiders, Jamel, you know, and even you going through this, you know that people are hearing you say, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. And you know that the system around you has heard that a million times and they flat out don't believe you. That's got to be so frustrating. Oh, totally. Totally. It, it, man, that's, and that's the, the piece of it that makes um, one act on bad judgment. Hmm. You know, because you feel like I'm, you know, you feel like you've been trying to do right all this time. You're trying to do everything accordingly, and then, boom, you're doing everything right still, and then you get sent away for something you didn't do. You have no control over it. You know, all you got to do is just go through the realm of it. You know, you got to get through it. Um, 
So listen, uh, you know, a lot of guys when they go inside don't exactly come out better. So, you know, help me understand that math because in the community that you're in, there's a survival instinct that takes over and there's a... There's a mentality that sort of, you know, um, gets you to kind of look out for number one. Yeah. But yet, that's not the journey that you took. You, you kind of leaned into this, into this God stuff. So, I, help me understand that, man. Yes. Yes. Yeah. See, uh, coming out, I just, I knew I wanted something different for my son. Uh, I, I wanted him to grow up under different circumstances. I I wanted to be different for him. I wanted to be able to raise him. So I knew I needed to get myself all the way together so I can be a father to my child. Uh, Otherwise, I don't think I I would have been a a father to him at all. So um, I started to adapt a new mindset and start to do things differently and uh, and ask God for his guidance, you know, along the way. And, uh, man... Things started to change drastically once he, he allowed me to to let go of a lot of a lot of things that was bothering me, that was hurting me, my hurt, my pain, uh, my frustration. Once I gave it all to him, man, things started to, to change for me uh, drastically. You know, and you know, I, I see now that man, God has man, he has been in the play the whole time. We just didn't put him in the game. You know, it's so interesting, this God that you guys both serve came to you in different circumstances and really helped to shatter two different parts of, of, the, of a man's psyche, right? You've got the ego side, and this God comes in and, and shatters that and then picks up the pieces. And then you've got this God coming in and, and going, yeah, I know you're ticked off. I know you're angry. You, this is unjust what happened to you. But let's work through this. Let's do, you know, they, basically this God comes in and holds your hand through the forgiveness process. Two completely different sides of the psyche. Andrew, you at some point, dude, you must have known that you were going to get busted, right? Or is your your ego was right through the roof? You thought you were untouchable? Yeah, I thought I was on top of the world. I thought I was above the law. Uh, as you read in the book, uh, there had been several times leading up to me actually getting caught where I almost got caught. And uh, it would scare me straight for a while. And then uh, I'd get on straight and narrow, and then the temptation was just too much. And, and before I knew it, I was right back in the thick of it again. Man. Okay, so take us through the day where you get busted. Because we got Jamal's story there a little bit. But your deal, I mean... Again, you would have thought this is just another time where it's going to get close, but I'm going to be okay. So take us through the time where you totally get smoked. Yeah, so it was uh, in February 2008, almost two years to the day from the time I caught Jamel. And uh, there had been a lot of rumors around the department that I was doing uh, uh, corrupt things. So uh, we did a search warrant in the morning. It was a Tuesday morning. And I get back from the search warrant about 8 in the morning. And my captain called me in the office and said, uh, we got a lot of complaints about you. We're going to take you out of narcotics. And I remember feeling almost relieved. I had just been talking to my wife uh, not not too uh, not too far previous from that, where I said I just want to be a regular police officer again. I I just want to I want to help people. I'm kind of tired of the pressure that's on me to to keep getting drug dealers. And uh, so there was a piece of me that was like, all right, sweet. I get I can go back and be on the road. Maybe this will help me fix all the stuff I'm doing wrong. 
And then he said, and we're going to search your car and we're going to search your office to make sure nothing crazy is happening. And I knew that there was a Crown Royal uh, bag hidden in my office with an ounce uh, or a half ounce of crack, an ounce of marijuana, and, and some heroin in it. So uh, by the end of that day, I've been caught red-handed uh, with the crack, with the heroin, and with the marijuana in my office. And that was the end of my career. Turned in my badge and my gun that day, and, uh, and the rest has been history. Man. Okay, so... Not that I've ever experienced this, but Andrew, from the things I understand from people that I know in the industry, this ain't a great place for a cop to go, prison. Yeah, no. So, uh, you know, I did some work with God before that. I said, okay, God, I don't want to be a liar anymore. Lions got me into a bad place in my, in my soul and in my life. Uh, so what do I do when somebody asks me what I'm in for? And, uh, and, and it was just very clear. You tell them what you did. You got caught in possession of crack with intent to deliver. And that was that was what my sentence was. So uh, I knew enough about drugs to where if guys wanted to talk about eight balls and quakes and zones, you know, I could hold up. And then eventually I'd just say, you know what, guys, the dope is what got me in here. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, but, I mean, if somebody asked me, what are you in for? Possession of crack with intent to deliver. So so they didn't know you were a cop? No, no. And there was, uh, I mean, there was even some divine moments there where, uh, my grandma started writing uh, to some guys in, in my in my cell block. I would see these guys that would look for uh, mail every day, and my grandma would write me daily. And on a Friday, if it was a holiday weekend, I would get four letters, and they were marked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and she told me not to open them until the correct day. I got a letter every single day from this woman. And so I asked her if she'd start writing to these guys that weren't getting any mail, and they started friendship, and she started this little pen pal uh, uh, ministry, if you will. And she would tell me after I'd leave these prisons that, hey, a day after you left, your story was on the news, and now everybody that you were just housed with knows everything about you. And we just kind of saw how uh, I was always one step ahead of where danger would have been. So. Man, that's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> I'm even breathing heavy right now, just thinking about you, right, squeaking through. The, I mean, seriously, if they found out you were a cop, you would not be handled nicely. True story? Well, I mean, you know, and then there was this, that three days before I was released from prison, we had an outdoor uh, uh, ministry uh, where they had like a... In federal prison, you have every religion in the world is allowed to have their sanctioned religious time. But then we had a, uh, a group of guys that would meet out on the yard every single night to have church as well. And God called me to three days before I got out to, in my message, tell everybody who I really was because I felt like there was an authentic piece that needed to be shared. So I shared in front of everybody, and there was people walking around the track who weren't part of the church. They heard me say that I was a police officer, and I asked for forgiveness from my friends in the church that, Hey, for all this time, I feel like I've pulled the wool over your eyes, and I just want you all to know who I really am. And uh, the next day, uh, a Wiccan, a uh, witch, he was the head Wiccan, he, he called me into his room, and he said, uh, I want you to pray for my niece. She got into an accident. She's not doing so well. So he had heard that I was really a police officer, and and uh, but, but, but he wanted to put that aside because he wanted me to reach out to the creator of the universe to pray for his niece. Andrew Jamel there, the author's uh, co-authors, along with another uh, person. This book's called Convicted, A Crooked Cop, An Innocent Man, An Unlikely Journey of Forgiveness and Friendship. Jamel, uh, take me to the moment where you run into this dude who put you away. Yeah, I was, 
Uh, it was about 2011, I think. We get to, uh, I ended up getting to meet my son, and uh, they were doing an a event in the park over there, and my son wanted to go. I didn't really want to go, so uh, I was just like, all right, I just let him go, and I just stayed on the sidewalk, and I just said I would just stay here until he get done, and and uh, I was looking at the pavilion where everybody was standing at, and I thought I saw Andrew, and I was like, no, nah, it can't be him. That's not him right there. It can't be. So uh, all the emotions that I felt in prison were back on my shoulder. All the anger, the frustration, everything was back in my shoulders, even though I had already let it, you know, and I had let it go, gave it to God. But this day at the park, it was, I call that day the test. And I uh, I walked up to him, and, and instantly my mind was to hit him, in my mind, was to hit him. Do what you came to do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and God, uh, you know, when I walked up to him, I stuck out my hand, and I asked him, did he remember who I was? And he was like, yeah, uh, he was trying to, Soon he grabbed my name, I mean, soon he grabbed my hand and said my name, and I just squeezed his hand really, really tight. And, um, yeah, I said some, uh, we had some intense change of words right there, and uh, God just stepped in again, man, and just said, hey, I, this ain't even your fight. I got this. And uh, I ended up wrestling with that that idea because this was my hurt, my pain, and uh, I I wanted to do something about it. But uh, I ultimately just know, let God have his way, and, and I moved out of my way, I mean, out of his way, and uh, and this is what he wanted to do with it. He wanted to make it good. Um, and if we allow him to make many, many things in our life, that we think are wrongdoings or, or the worst things, if we just allow God in and allow Him to do what He do best, man, uh, your situation too, just as well as mine, can be good as well. You know, here's the thing: you guys, you guys aren't just together because you wrote a book. You're, t- you're actually like you guys hang out regularly. Uh, Andrew, is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. uh, we actually hung out with a bunch of. MMA fighters last night who uh, we had a speaking engagement in the UP and they were having these fights and they were uh, they were trying to cut weight and we kind of hung out with them and just got to learn about their profession and uh, we do dinner together and we talk about life together we have a lot of traveling together so we're just uh, we're naturally uh, in cars together for long periods of time and just kind of talk about life and and yeah it's uh, he's my brother so that's crazy, man. So let me let me go to you. Let me go to you again, Andrew. I just see. I'm sorry, but your your part of the story resonates with me because I've had a pretty nice life where I haven't had a bunch of people or anybody kind of do me wrong real bad. If anybody's been the jerk in my world, it's been me. So so that's how I relate to you. You're a jerk. I'm a jerk. Your name's Andrew. My name's Drew. Um, you shake hands with this guy that you know you set up. Were you not just filling your shorts at that moment? <laughs> well, I felt, uh, so the only reason I was in that park, I mean, this was a park that I had chased drug dealers through. This was a park that I had pulled dead bodies out of. This was not a good part of Benton Harbor. 
And uh, But I felt like God had called me back to the city to say I'm sorry to people, to be reconciled with people, to make uh, amends for what I had done. So I was prepared for it. I didn't know it was going to be Jamel, and I didn't know he was going to look so angry. Uh, but I knew something was coming that day because I was called there. And uh, God was just very clear with me. You're going to apologize. You're going to take whatever you got coming to you. If, if I mean, you can defend yourself by putting up your hand over your head or whatever. You don't have to take a beating, but you don't get to punch back. If somebody's going to throw blows at you, you deserve it. And so I just walked into it like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. And and I think I, I said enough good things to Jamel that, uh, you know, I just told him my gospel story that I was a new creation in Christ, and the old was gone and the new had come, and the guy that he was angry at had died in 2008. And uh, I think enough of that resonated with Janelle where he didn't kill me that day. <laughs> oh, man. So, hold on. but Which but I appreciate, by the way, Janelle. I don't know if I told you that, but I appreciate that. Not that's, killing me. Yeah, thing. thank you. Thank you for not killing me, Jamel. <laughs> um, so, he, here's the deal. I want to get the timing of your God stories right. Did you both straighten up with Jesus when you were in prison? Um, or, or did you, Andrew, you know lead Jamel to the Lord afterwards? Like, how did all that no. go down? No, it's not It's not that pretty. No, uh, so <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I got caught in February of 08. I wasn't even indicted until January, I mean, uh, December of 08. So I had all that time to grow with the Lord. Both of us grew up in the church. We both gave our lives to Christ earlier in life, uh, but we just never trusted him as the Lord of our life. So I would say, and then Jamel, you can disagree with me if you want, uh, but I would say that prison was really the time where we both learned that Jesus is more than a Savior. He is our Lord, and that's when we kind of started both walking out. Uh, and here's another piece that parallels with our story is I pled guilty uh, uh, the last week of January 2009. A week later, Jamel got out, February 2009. And if you watch the story, he was wrestling with God about letting go of that anger the week before. So as I'm as I'm going into prison is when God is helping him release himself of his anger so that he can be ready to be released. You know the story's whack, right? You know that. <laughs> I don't do though. <laughs> Just incredible. Well, guys, listen, um, I really appreciate you joining us. I know you've, you've done a bunch of interviews. The book is called Convicted, A Crooked Cop, An Innocent Man, An Unlikely Journey of Forgiveness and Friendship. You look, I over the years I've heard so many, you know, testimonies and people uh, doing the, the the speaking circuit and you know, I used to be blah blah and now and then I found Jesus and now I'm awesome. But uh it's a, <laughs> the, the dynamics of your story are so fascinating to me. And Jamel, I hope you don't feel left out, but I I relate far more to that jerk sitting beside you than I do you. <laughs> well, it, it... Let me add to that, too, is that I found Jesus, but I still suck. And uh, I just, I, I go to him daily and say, I want to suck less. Um, so it's not like I came to Jesus and I'm a great person now. The closer I get to Jesus, the farther away I realize I am, because he is so perfect and I am so flawed. Uh, but he gives us that option to journey with him and just learn his love and his joy and his peace. And we don't have to suck the rest of our lives. Yeah. Crazy stuff, man. You guys are nuts. Uh, thank you, Andrew, Jamel. I really appreciate your time, guys. Thank you very much. And and I hope your time last night in prison wasn't too bad. Yeah, right on. Yeah, it was good. Andrew told me he would, they were at some event where they set things. They were speaking and they set things up like it was a prison. Oh, yes. <laughs>
<laughs> Jamal kept trying to escape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, you take care, man. Enjoy it. See ya. Hey, God bless. Yeah, thanks, Jamal. Thanks, Andrew. Bye-bye.